Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Authentic Messengers. My name is Catherine Van Wetter and I will be your host today. Every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, I have been interviewing different authors from our new book, Life Sparks. All of these interviews will be archived, so if you miss one, you can go to www.blogtalk.com forward slash AuthenticMessengers.com. Please also visit us on our Facebook page, Authentic Messengers, and give us a thumbs up or a like, however you would like to leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. So today I'm really excited. I'm going to be interviewing Allie Davidson, who is one of our authors. And Allie has been referred to as a transformation midwife helping women give birth to their true essence and the life they deserve. She is an author and a dynamic presenter. And as Allie and I have just been talking, like so many, she is also going through her own transition of redefining who she is. And so with that, Allie, welcome. It's nice to have you here today. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. Yeah, boy, it sounds like, and just a little bit that we talked about, it sounds like you're going through your your own transformation of of moving from doing the work you did. I I see that some of the areas that you're certified in is in NLP, neurolinguistic programming, and that you've been a hypnotherapist and certified personal coach, and also a Mars Venus facilitator. I've never really heard it. Based that way, that's based on on the book Gray's work, right? Men are from right, Mars, right. women are from Venus. Yeah. So tell me, yeah. what's your journey been like as you've delved into going oh. from where you've been to where you are? <laughs> wow. It's hard to know where to begin. Um, I guess I'll start at the end, the end of the journey, which is just a new beginning, really. Um, but like so many, I am a woman approaching 60 and I am redefining myself and I have had a lifetime of experiences to draw from and a lot of time to reflect on all the different ways that I participated in my own life experience and in helping others. And I realized that there was a common theme throughout my life. And, and so now as I am re-emerging, I, I have found a way to bring those themes into my everyday passion. And I'm really excited about that. Um, wow. So I, I yeah. <laughs> because I know some of your work um, from the times that we've talked before and also from the, your title of the, the title in the book, it's called The Truth About Forgiveness. Um, your journey to grace and it sounds like you've been able to as you've moved through your own forgiveness you're now moving on to a different level of being is is that a correct kind of a description yeah. of where you are now or yes that's perfect it's perfect um i guess uh what i found was i've done a lot of different things i I'm a mother of four children who are grown now. Um, I had done real estate twice in my adult career. I had an in-home care agency for nine years that I started from scratch um, and turned into a $2 million company. So I, I know business. And then I was also a counselor in private practice and a life coach. Uh, so I, I look at all these varied experiences and I realize that in all of them, 
there was this one common theme, which was about helping people to be empowered with whatever they were doing, whether it was their emotional mental journey, whether it was their aging journey, whether it was their, their, you know, starting and buying a new home and starting a family. So empowering um, people has always been a theme, which of course relates back to myself and empowering myself. And, um, and then the other theme that seemed to run through my life was uh, a, a betrayal and um, mm. starting from a very young age and that what I did with that, I always made mm-hmm. everybody else right and myself wrong. So I took it on as mm-hmm. my responsibility. And um, until I hit a wall and had the worst re- betrayal that a woman can go through and, and realized that it was, it was really time to stop doing that and to, to, to forgive myself ultimately for um, – for not trusting my intuition, for not mm-hmm. not being in my own power, not loving myself the way I should have, that type of thing. And um, so now I am I am taking everything that I've learned, and I'm back in real estate. Um, I'm going to specialize in helping seniors to um, you know to to buy down to to move out of their homes, which is an emotional experience for them and then help their families too to go through whatever they need to go through to forgive some of the past issues so that they can have a beautiful relationship um, as to peers going through the aging process. So, so I'm tying it all together and I'm really excited about it. It feels very um, purposeful to me and very meaningful. Wow. You know, as I'm listening to you, it's, it's really beautiful as we, as women in particular, well, not in particular, but since we're talking as women right now, as mm-hmm. we're getting older, there's been so many um, messages. I know myself is growing up in the 50s of getting older and, and somehow getting to a certain age, 40, 50, mm-hmm. and putting aside all the passion, all the vision, to, you know, to get a rocking chair and just give up really being in life, the stigma that you come to a certain age mm-hmm. and you become a bookend, so to speak. And so it's really inspiring to hear how you have taken the experiences of what has happened to you and been able to overcome and really integrate it into who you are so that you can step forward as a beautiful woman coming into her 60s, feeling the empowerment and the integration herself and helping Mm -hmm. those who find themselves in a similar situation and may or may not have forgotten who they are. And one thing as you were talking, so much of what you've done sounds like transitional periods with helping people move from homes that they've been in for a long time, who are adjusting from one age, going to another age, separating from work, whatever it is, the transition. Mm -hmm. And what I've often believed is that many times during transition, people are abandoned, you know, being a child Mm -hmm. going from child to adolescent to adolescent to young adult to adult to senior and wondered if you would talk a little bit about the importance of really honoring the period of transition in order to bring someone into the full power of who they are. 
Wow. <laughs> we said that so beautifully. Um, I think that transition uh, is, is a, well, let me, let me step back and say that change, which is transition, is eternal and constant. And I think that, that we put a lot of energy uh, as a society trying to keep things stable, which mm-hmm. ultimately forces forces the current, you know, you can only put the dam up for so long before it breaks. And I think that, that for me, what I've realized is that transition has both its good and its bad. And I think culturally, we're always looking for the good, and we always want to just push the bad away. And I, I have learned that it is in the good and the bad that I find who I am, and that loving both the, the light and the dark side of myself is the way to find balance and wisdom and to make every day meaningful. And, you know, I'm not always happy, but I'm not always sad. I, I, I'm okay with either feeling. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that's really important when you're going through transitions because mm. we, we don't want to feel those, those, you know, those niggles and those doubts and those fears and the anxiety and, and because our mind is so perfectly made to find meaning in all of our emotions, mm-hmm. um, we we can be paralyzed because we think right. oh, I shouldn't. This shouldn't be happening because it feels so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that that every transition brings us an opportunity to explore and find more of ourselves. And that's what mm-hmm. I have found. And even in the, in, the, in the worst of times, I remember standing kind of like, you, you remember Gone with the Wind where in that uh. scene where Scarlett O'Hara stands in the field and she says, as God is my witness, I will never be hungry again. Do you remember that? Um, yes, I, I love do. that yeah. scene. <laughs> That's the feeling that I had when, when my life kind of imploded around me. I stood mm-hmm. up and said, are you kidding me? I have to go through this too. I mean, it was like, Wow. And in that moment, I also knew as I was falling apart and devastated, I also knew that at some point in my future, I would look back on it and go, wow, that was the best experience I could have had. And so that's what I hope to help people to understand that, that the transition is just the journey. It's coming out of the transition and it could be years long. Mine was that you will look back and go, oh, my God, I am so rich with, with knowing of myself and with my power and with my joy and my beauty, and, and I have so much more to give because of that. Mm. Wow. You know? That's beautiful, and I'm, I'm curious in there, and it's, it's beautiful, and it's you know, having been a, a counselor myself for many years and, and working with different types of people, it's fascinating, the whole resiliency and who overcomes like rising like the phoenix and others who collapse and become embittered and shut down. And as you've been talking, wondering, have you noticed that those who have really been able to bow deeply to the whole feelings around forgiveness, around compassion, around looking at areas in our lives that could be looked at as good, bad, right, or wrong, which are just judgments, right, depending Mm -hmm. on whose lens is looking at it. 
where does forgiveness and where does compassion come in as someone is moving through a transition such as what you just went through? Well, there's a couple of answers to that question. So first I'd want to say that for me and for the people that I have seen go through this or helped through this, especially for women, what I found was if we do not hit our rage, if we're not allowed to feel the rage and anger, we will not bounce back. And that women who haven't, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, you know, whenever we have a, a huge tragic loss of some kind, whether it is the loss of a loved one through death or through divorce or, um, or the loss of a career that we, you know, put everything into, um, we, we are going to, get to, to go to that place of powerlessness, helplessness, and despair. That's the first place we go. But to get out of that, the second place we have to go through, like the phoenix, is our rage. And what I found in my experience was I would be so sad and so devastated and so despair, and then I would start talking and I would start, my anger would come up. And when I would Mm -hmm. talk to people and that anger would come up, the first thing they wanted to do was tell me, you have to forgive, let let it go, you're going to be a bitter woman, you're better off, all these platitudes to stop the anger because most people are afraid of that anger. And uncomfortable with it, yeah. Right? (laughs) And so what what would end up happening, if I couldn't feel the anger, there was no place else to go but back into the despair. So I was lucky enough to have a coach of my own who recognized this, and she let me, in fact, she just met me there, and we raged for about 20 minutes. And it was like the phoenix. The fire just went out. And the minute I blew through the rage, I could go to the next place, which was a place of ease. And, Mm -hmm. And it was from that place that, that the idea of letting go of the past, letting go of what I dreamed my life should be, letting go of the judgments of what I was supposed to have instead of what I actually had could start. And, and that's the process that we have to go through in order for us to get to a place where forgiveness and compassion can come through. Um, because I really don't believe that we can choose to forgive. We can cognitively, you know, or we can say to ourselves, I'm going to choose to forgive. But it just doesn't work that way. And you'll right. know it the minute that you are re-triggered again. And especially in the presence of whoever or whatever hurt you, you know. But what I found was that as I learned to accept what was, what didn't happen, and could look at where I was and start to find the jewels within my experience um, and allow myself to, here's the second part, um, what I found was that every, every part of my life was connected to the people who had betrayed me for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And wow. so because I was so hurt by what they had just done, every time I talked about a past experience of mine with somebody else today, you know, like, oh, when my kids were little, we did this. Oops, there was the memory of that other person in my past. And, I, and it would hurt. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I cannot allow the 25 years that were full of joy and happiness and support to be invalidated 
by this one final experience. That was the truth of it. I didn't want to look back and keep feeling pain every time I thought about even a happy time with that person. And Mm -hmm. so that letting go and being able to look back and go, yeah, we did have that good time and we did have that good time and I was supported there and I was loved there. And, you know, that's where I started having compassion first for myself, allowing myself to have my past um, without Mm -hmm. it being covered over by all this, you know, hurt. Um, Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do it until I got rid of the rage. Once I got rid of the rage, then, then I could actually start seeing, you know, and allowing. And then, and pretty soon it was, it, it, it's, it's almost so hard to explain, but it's, it's like I, I, I grew up. It was no Mm -hmm. longer that small child, that young woman, that, you know, that weaker part of myself that, hurt. It was a higher part of myself, a part of myself that was more global, part of myself that could see my whole life through a bird's eye view and recognize how each experience allowed me to know more of myself. And and as I did, I realized I no longer felt the rage. I no longer felt the sadness. And in my story, you'll see, you'll, anybody gets the book, they'll see that I had this amazing, divinely orchestrated opportunity to be in the presence of this person and realized I loved her still and wow. that I had forgiven her. Yeah. And even as I say that, I get goosebumps all over my body because it was the most beautiful experience of my life. And, wow. um, and, and, I, and then I realized, too, that in the midst of all that, I also forgave myself, forgave myself mm for not trusting my intuition, for not listening to the little red flags that went up, for closing myself down so that I wouldn't know what I knew. But in doing mm-hmm. that, I became so far less than who I am that, that I was just a shadow of myself. And wow. um, you know, I didn't want to be and as And as you're talking, thank you so much for explaining it in the way in the depth that you did. As you're talking, the word that kept sticking in my psyche, and this may be true for many people, especially women, is moving through the rage and moving through the anger. And I know growing up, you know, you don't get angry. It's it's not Mm -hmm. nice to get angry. Just swallow it. Just bite it. And so the whole thought that in order for someone to be able to move through the process to get to the point of authentic forgiveness is to feel that deep inner rage and that anger, wow. I mean, I think about how many people find a way to disconnect from that by finding substances, drugs or alcohol or Mm -hmm. playing nice, and each time reaching for that, losing another part of themselves, another part of themselves till they begin to be, as you said, you know, in some ways, hollow bodies. That's always been the term mm-hmm. I've used, that they're looking yeah. outside oneself. Who do you want me to be? I'll be whoever. I'll mm-hmm. be nice. I'll be sweet. I'll be kind in order to be loved. And so wondered how do you, how, how would you help somebody who's like so terrified and it's within their energetic their their whole memory, their body memory, their cellular memory, that somehow getting angry and rageful is not okay. Mm-hmm. How how would you advise someone who, hearing these words, may think, oh, gosh, I can't do that, even though they know that they're probably seething inside? 
Well, I, I, I think that they have to find somebody that will mm-hmm. be that surrogate for them, that will be that person. Because what happened for me was I was in that place of despair. I was suicidal, and this girl knew it. And she, she said, I'm going to call you back in two hours. You better answer the phone, or I'm going to call 911. And she did call me back. And when I answered the phone, she was in it. She was in the rage. And she said, what did that, 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 that? And she's screaming into the phone. And it, it just freed me. It freed me to start screaming back. And between us, we went on and on, back and forth. He did this, she did that, da, 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 until I was completely like one big ball of tears and sweat. And, and it just, it just literally, I was on, my body was on fire and I was, it, it had burned through. And, mm. um, you know, it's not enough to just hit a pillow, although that helps. But I think right. there's something in, something in being with somebody you trust who is mm-hmm. willing to stand there with you and, and go through that rage with you. It makes you feel safer. They're in control, and they're guiding you through it. And I think that that's, that's the answer because it was the answer for me. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, that's what I would do for somebody. I would, I would you know, and it, and it reminds me of literally being in the fire. And Pema Chodron, right. the beautiful um, American nun, Buddhist nun, talks about yeah, when – Oh, her work is so beautiful. When when you move through something, when you're breaking through an habituation of pattern, it can literally feel like you're on fire, like you're just burning it right out of your circuitry. And she's not necessarily talking about rage and anger, although I'm sure, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all part of the element where somebody just feels like they're on fire and then that beautiful end result of, of coming through the other side, exhausted Mm -hmm. and um, exhausted. I mean, if you, we, yeah, we know that, you know, our society today, like what is it? One in five people now are on some kind of antidepressant. And or if they're not, they should be because they're so depressed. And when you ask them what they feel, it's not really sadness. They're feeling nothing. And and I I see that as, um, you know, it's almost like we're, they're they're stuffed with cotton. They have, Mm -hmm. they have so far depressed their anger because they're so terrified of it that they feel nothing. And they, they reinterpret that as sadness and depression, but really if we aren't going to let ourselves feel one thing, we're never going to feel the other either. It's like the pendulum of emotions has to be able to swing back and forth. But from the time we throw our first temper tantrum at age two, we are being conditioned that that screaming and that letting go um, of anger is not okay. And then you look Mm -hmm. at our society and how many people have suffered tragic losses, big, huge changes in their lives, and we have no vehicle for right. expression, you know, that's safe and that's not, and that's constructive rather than destructive. And so yeah. what do we do? You know, um, yeah. that's what I see, you know? And so, <clears throat> and wow. I, I also want to say this, I want to, because I think this is a really important piece is that even after we forgive, we don't forget and, mm-hmm. and the fact that you haven't forgotten does not mean that you haven't forgiven. What I found was that 
when I am telling a story about the most beautiful day of my life, like when my children were born or some funny movie I went to or some fun experience I had, my whole body is engaged in the telling of that story. And I am feeling the endorphins and the happy and my face is all lit up and my smile is there. It's a memory that I am accessing right now and it's in my body and in every part Mm -hmm. of me, right? Mm -hmm. So the same is going to hold true for an experience that was not happy, that was not fun, Mm -hmm. that was sad. We're going to feel it. But just because we feel it doesn't mean we're not over it. Right. Yeah, it's so many people go in. Yeah. They think that, oh, my gosh, I'm feeling it again. That means I haven't forgiven. No, that's not true. It's just in your body. And actually, the more you feel it, the the more it will lose its strength, like any other Mm -hmm. memory. And the further away you get from it, you know, I mean, there was a time when I could not mention my ex's name or my friend's name because it hurt so much. And today, I'm not mentioning it on here because I don't want to mention any names, but it doesn't hurt anymore at all. I can right. actually think yeah. back to all the great stuff that we did together, too. Hmm. Well, and Peter Levine's, Dr. Peter Levine's work about working through trauma on the visceral level and how animals shake it off and how many times mm-hmm. when something happens to humans because um, PTS post-traumatic stress in and of itself is is a normal thing that happens if we're going to be alive here on this earth plane it's when it gets right. tapped in or um, coupled with helpless hopelessness that it becomes what we would refer to as a disorder and so to know that if you can shake it off just like seeing little kids go through a tantrum or getting really upset five minutes Mm -hmm. later, it's like they're off doing something else. And so learning how, as you said, to have that safe space to be able to move through an emotion that feels overwhelming and to have people who will not abandon you as you know, one may be experiencing that because it can, it's other people. And again, it's the discernment of who we, share it with mm-hmm. other people can turn away and and then there's more shame oh my god i, I right. shared something and i exposed and blah blah it goes down that slippery slope so yeah, yeah exactly yeah and and they're triggered with their own stuff that they haven't dealt with mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. so yeah that piece in there that gets really hard yeah so it does need to be clean but i i agree with you and i i think that uh you know, we just waste so much energy and time suppressing, yeah. suppressing. And mm-hmm. if we just allowed ourselves like we did when we were children to feel the feeling in the moment, it will, it will go away so much faster and, and we're okay again. And yeah. that's, that's something as adults we have to learn to do. And, I, and I, it's, it's interesting because you see it in children, little children, and then on mm-hmm. the other side of the spectrum, I saw it when I was working with seniors. They mm-hmm. had enough lifetime and enough emotions that they they were much more at peace with their emotions. Right. And, um, yeah. You know, it's like why do we have to? Why do we lose it when we're little and then gain it again when we're too old to to, to really yeah. experience more? You know. Yeah. I, I mean. Yeah. You know. And without mentioning any names, you know, with with what's happening politically mm-hmm. and and the polarity happening and the the anger 
that mm-hmm. is resulting with comments and statements being made and, and going out in the internet with nobody really calling each other on calling each other bad names or yeah. ripping people apart. And I, you know, I look at what's happening right now as you're talking about the rage and the anger and thinking about how similar to a nuclear reactor, it's imperative that there's a structure to contain it. Otherwise it leaks out and it can cause mm-hmm. tremendous harm right, to others around us where it's not meant to go. And so looking at the global picture right now and what's happening specifically in the United States, it's happening everywhere, but because of the political Mm -hmm. arena, you know, how do we even wrap our mind around this senseless rage and violence that's happening as a result of people being so pinned down and feeling so oppressed, you know, and and it's... I think that it has to happen on an individual level. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost, you know, I've always thought that. It's like, you know, the machine is too big. And what I, right. I believe that what we're seeing in our um, political arena is just a manifestation of what we as a collective are experiencing. It's our own yes. trauma. It's our own anger and rage. It's our own helplessness that we, we feel. And the only way to regain that is for each person to individually take responsibility for the impact they have. And that's one of the things that's kind of my little high horse that I get on is that, is that we have forgotten that we are more than just connected. We actually have an impact on each other that when I make a decision Mm -hmm. to do something, there's a ripple effect. And if I don't recognize that and, and hold myself accountable to that, then I'm, I'm doing harm. And, and that's the yeah. piece that I think most people don't think about. You know, they just think that they're hurting themselves when they go and they, they are addicted to drugs or alcohol or they go and they, um, you know, they, they quit their job or they steal something or they, I mean, there's so many things, right? And, and not all of them are bad either. Or when they just shut down their emotions or when they, they ignore their children because they're in so much pain or there, it's funny because even when I was counseling people, I realized that I would have people who come in who had had traumatic, traumatic experiences as children. And I would have those that had very few trauma, very little trauma, and yet they would both show up in my office with the same issues. So it's mm-hmm. not the degree of the trauma. It really isn't. It's, it's, it's the individual impact it had on us in that mm-hmm. moment and the story mm-hmm. we tell ourselves. And so... I think that individually we all have to act with, with that knowledge that we have an impact mm-hmm. and, right. and we have to stop buying into other people's stories and other people's belief systems and, and the propaganda that we're given, you know. I mean, <laughs> I don't even want to go political. I just yeah. feel like people should vote from their heart, you know. And, and, and yeah. if you think, you know, that's it. That's all there is to it. And instead of from a place of fear. You know, right. if you really as don't you, like either one, vote different. <laughs> and as you were speaking of the different levels of trauma of the individuals that came into your office, you said that there was the, um, I can't remember what the words were, but the overall sense that it was the same same issue. I don't remember what words you used um, yeah, or the same result. The same result. Like they'd come the in same with result. the same symptoms. They would come in with the same symptoms. 
mm-hmm. lacking confidence, lacking self-esteem, lacking self-worth, uh, mm-hmm. feeling anxious, feeling depressed, uh, you know, their life just not being effective in their lives. And you would think that the person who had been traumatized, I mean, we're talking major abuse, would be so much less capable than the person who just had, you know, a parent who was on trips a lot and felt abandoned. But the, but right. it, it doesn't take much, you know, we're, we're right. all impacted. So what I'm saying with that is that the impact we have, we don't know how big it is on somebody else. We may think that as long as we're nice and we're kind that we, you know, we're not, we're not, we don't have an impact. As long as I'm not hitting you, I, I could yell at you all day long. The impact is going to be different. It's not. The impact right. is the same. That's what I'm trying to right. say. Right. If not worse, at, you know? at times those invisible, right. those invisible right. wounds um, that folks mm-hmm. don't see. So curious right. as you're, and thank you so much for um, sharing with so much wisdom and um, so much vulnerability. I really appreciate it. So as you're looking at how your own life is transitioning into, as you mentioned earlier, going into real estate and working with folks mm-hmm. who maybe downsizing, how, how do you see yourself pulling together all these amazing gifts, insights, <laughs> and awarenesses that you've accumulated um, over the years? Well, I think that you know, I love selling houses. Um, I, a home is, is the biggest investment anybody makes. And, um, and since I was a child, I've moved 36 times. So obviously a home is really important for me. So wow. uh, it, it, it's beautiful that, that this is the vehicle that my work will come through. Working specifically with seniors, I, I feel I've always felt that. I grew up with my grandmother being the most important person in my life. And when I owned my in-home care agency, along with my counseling skills, I learned so much about the aging process. And I actually wrote another book that's on Amazon that people can get a hold of that helps them to have the conversation about what, what would like that senior like to have happen if they need help? So they get to make a plan for their aging years if something happens because the, the whole idea of being independent and not being a burden, it, what they're really saying is I want to make my own decisions. And so mm-hmm. it helps them to make the decisions now, gives the kids, the adult kids, peace of mind because they know what they need to do for their parents as they age. So, um, so my feeling is that working with seniors, I, I, I'm able to just kind of empathetically be in that place where it can help them through the loss of letting go of things and and leaving their home and being able to move into a new place and create what they want there. And so I see myself doing that. And I also recognize that, you know, they're going to, not all relationships from the time we're children heal themselves automatically as adults and as our parents age. If we haven't let go of the wounds that we've had from our childhood, we will still be with our parents at the end of their life, but it will not be the wonderful experience it can be unless we do the work. Yeah. And so I also see myself working with the adult children and, and doing retreats for family caregivers where we, we do some pampering, we help them through the process, we educate, and we do whatever work needs to get done for them to let go of the old stuff so they can really be present to the experience they're going to have with their parents as they age because it is a beautiful one to watch the end of a life. Um, It's it's sad, but it's beautiful too, you know. And Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, there's not a single person in all the nine years that I worked with seniors and their families who in the end regretted 
being there by their parent when they passed, not one, yeah. no matter how good or bad that relationship was. So, mm-hmm. so I see it all as a way to, to find the seniors, to help them through this move, and, and then to be also available to them and their families to do this other work on the, on the side. <laughs> it's going to be a full life. Wow. And I'm, yeah. I'm very excited about it. Yeah. I just, um, wow. Yeah. And so as you're talking, curious how with all the giving you're doing, all the, all the work you're doing, all the service you're doing, how do you find your, how do you fill your own well so that you don't feel mm. depleted and, you know, who is there to support you, a soft place to land for you as you're doing all this um, beautiful work? Well, I... I'm, I've gotten really good at supporting myself. I, you know, in the past, mm-hmm. I always felt like it had to be my friends and my family and, and a husband. And and I, I was telling somebody the other day that, you know, have, have you ever just walked down the street and really be in your body when you're doing it and mm-hmm. notice how whole you feel, how complete mm-hmm. you feel? Like there's nothing missing. And mm-hmm. um, I give myself a lot of downtime. I do a lot of journaling. I like to take walks. I love to spend time with friends and having coffee. I I don't rush anything. I don't rush through anything anymore like I used to. Um, and I, I, I'm okay with that. I, I'm really trusting that the people who need me will show up and I'll be there when they are. I don't chase anything down anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I feel like, I, I have always believed that the world is abundant, that the universe is abundant, that spirit is always there guiding me. And, and the times in my life when I didn't listen, that's the times when it got hard. So mm-hmm. I just spend a lot of time listening, and, and it feels easy most of the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are like, well, I'm just exhausted. I'm like, but take a nap. Oh, I can't. No, yeah, you can. You can yeah. give yourself that time. <laughs> I've yeah. learned to do and, that, and it feels great. <laughs> and also moving through, as you were talking earlier, moving through those places that create the emotional exhaustion, working through the trauma, working through the anger, working through all mm-hmm. those different energy leaks that make it difficult for someone to actually sit and be in their own skin or walk down the street mm-hmm. and be in their own skin fully embodied. So it's as I think of what a busy culture we live in and people on the go, on the go, the myth of busyness of, of being busy mm-hmm. all the time and, and not taking the time. So it's a wonderful invitation for people. I imagine to really look at areas in their life where they're not feeling content and to mm-hmm. find either within themselves or someone who can help them move through that and be witness to them. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I was one of those people. People, uh, if you asked someone to describe me, they would say, oh, my gosh, she's a go-getter. Everything she touches turns to gold. She just goes, 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 goes. And it's true, I did. And I would, I was just push, 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 push. And I, I had a lot of success in all of that. But I was exhausted and, and I was not really running towards something. I was running away from me. And what I found now is that I stopped running. And so things really do come easier. Opportunities show up and I notice them, whereas maybe before I didn't because I was going way too fast past that window, you know. Um, And what I find, too, is that if I start to stack too much in my day, 
that's when I feel anxious. It's completely reversed now. Where, whereas before, if I didn't have something to do, I'd feel anxious. Now, if I have too much to do, I realize that I'm pushing myself too fast, too far, without really listening to my body. And, and, and that's when I start to feel overwhelmed and anxious and forgetful and everything else. So, so I, I look at when I plan my day now, and maybe it's because I'm older and wiser, I don't know. Um, but when I plan my day now, I always give myself plenty of time. And I don't rush through anything anymore. I, you know, even like getting up in the morning, if I have to be somewhere, I give myself two hours to have my cup of coffee and to do my journaling and my meditation and have that time alone before I get ready to be in the world, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. And you really mentioned, that. you mentioned the key, which I really feel is the key, is how do we get up in the morning and how do we begin our day and, how many people wake up to the the sound of the alarm and jump out of bed with cortisol levels just already skyrocketing mm-hmm. um, and tripping and pushing through and not enough time and and really yeah. starting and giving giving oneself plenty of time to be able to ease into the field of grace of because I believe I really feel that that's how our day starts is how we get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And sometimes catching up with ourselves if we if we're so exhausted and keep pushing through that. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah yeah I agree I agree. And then you know, the other part of it too is like I think that we are we're such sensual beings. You know we're we're so unconscious most of the time of everything that our body and our mind is keeping track of. And Mm -hmm. this comes directly from I was driving the other day and I was listening to a story and I found myself just crying. I'm listening to a story. And I thought, wow, you know, I just let the tears come. A part of my brain trying to say to myself, oh, this means that you're thinking about this and that's why you're feeling that. And, And then I stopped myself and said, no, just let yourself feel it. And I think that that's mm-hmm. what's, what we're not able to do. We always, we always want to attach an emotion to a story or to uh, an experience rather than just allowing that emotion to flush through us like, like the food mm-hmm. that we eat goes through us, you know. Um, so do feelings. They just kind of come and go and, and, and a ry- there's a rhythm and there's a flow and it's only when we stop the dam that we start to do something with those feelings that we we mm-hmm. we lose touch with um with the ease that we can have in our lives i think you know and when we try to make a I story heard, out of it and... go ahead i heard that some i heard some um that if if we cry and we're not sure how it is or why it is that we're crying we pit the gold mine and because sometimes we can cry, I'm crying over, you know, my dog or my brother or whatever, but when right. we don't know what it is, mm-hmm. and that's, that's when we get into the gold mine, and that's mm-hmm. when we get to just be with that. And, yeah. wow, it's, it's, I really sense that, that what you're saying and how you're living your life really is coherent. I mean, it's you're in... Your your tongues match the the tongues in your <laughs> mouth and the tongue in your shoes, as far as living a life of of being integrated. And I recognize that we're all going through the process of attaining that point of of coherence and integration. That I sense that that what we see 
and what we hear you say is who you are. It's not something that Thank you're you. hoping to strive for, that you're actually you're actually in where you say you are, which is really refreshing, mm-hmm. especially now during a time when so many people are literally coming apart the scenes and not knowing if they're mm-hmm. coming and going. What a gift that you can help those who are going through such tremendous transition to be a grounding rod in some ways, to give them permission to move forward. Thank you. Thank you. That's that's really, um, I'm honored and so blessed that you said that because, you know, you never really know. Um, I just, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know what the words are right now. I just, um, I guess, you know, I, I feel like a piece that, that I guess I did for myself that I hope to help others do for themselves is to let go of the judgment that we have about ourselves, the judgment we have about mm-hmm. our feelings, the judgment we have about who we are. And, and, and every time I notice that I'm judging myself um, or if I find myself judging somebody else, I realize that I, that I must have an even deeper judgment against myself. And then I go there, you know, and I just mm-hmm. really be kind to myself and, and, and allow for the mistakes and allow for the, the sadness and allow for the anger and allow for the joy. And, you know, like if I, if I get up in the morning and it just feels like, gosh, you know, I, I just don't want to be around anybody today. I'll stay in my PJs and I'll stay in my bed and I, and not feel guilty about it, but actually allow myself to do that. And then in doing that, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go now. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. we have the luxury to do it, that we, I imagine we did when we lived in villages and tribes and, you know, we didn't have to go to work every day. <laughs> I think that's the way we yeah. lived when we talk about living naturally. It's, it's living naturally yeah. within our rhythm, our own rhythm too, you know. And so. not being in isolation. I, in many indigenous mm-hmm. tribes, people are not alone as they're going through transition. They're not mm-hmm. alone as they're going through grief or suffering. They're they're not alone. And, right. um it's fascinating to to take a wellness day. I took a couple wellness days the other day. I wasn't feeling well and just allowed myself to stay at home without pathologizing it as, oh, you know, I have to be sick. It was like just needing <laughs> some downtime to be alone mm-hmm. and to be in bed and to cry or do whatever, to eat well. And, right. um, and as we set so the example, it is so important. And to give mm-hmm. others not only ourselves, but others' permission to do that. It's, it's mm-hmm. so vital to our own well-being. So as we're, mm-hmm. we're wrapping up, I think we have, I don't know, it's maybe 10 more minutes. Is there, are there parts that you would like to speak more of that we've not touched on? Or... Hmm. Oh, let's see. Well, I had a thought and it kind of went away now. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it was something about one of, one of the things that I, I learned through my experience was that I am one of those people who can see into others mm-hmm. and I can see the, the little person they once were. I can see their wounds, I can see their fears, but I can also see their magnificence. And I have always cho- chosen to to be with them 
in their magnificence, even if they're not showing it to me. And, and one of the things that I, um, as a result, I, I also handed over my trust to them, where I trusted that they were more than I trusted myself. And one of the things that I have learned was that I can have the empathy and the compassion for somebody else and accept them where they are and not make mm-hmm. them or project onto them the person that they're not ready to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I find that to be, at least for me right now, that's the process I'm going through. It, it allows me not to make judgment then. Because mm-hmm. I can accept them. I can go, you know, okay, I, I see who you're capable of being. And I can love that you. But I also see who you are right now. And I, it's not my job to change it. And, right. I have to, and I trust my own instincts about whether or not I want to participate with you um, in, right. in this journey right now. And, um, yeah. and I think that that comes from, from forgiveness too. Mm-hmm. From forgiving myself. Uh, yeah. Because when you when you don't do that, when you, you when you see in others what you want to see in them, not what they're showing you, um, and then they do something, then you turn against yourself, and it's either they're doing it because there's something wrong with you, or there's something wrong with you that you didn't see it, and and then it makes forgiving yourself really hard. <laughs> so yeah. does, does that make sense? What I'm saying does it make sense? Oh this, um, yeah, this, um, totally. okay. All right. yeah. yeah, and really acknowledging I've been practicing if someone is is having a hard time or is not being particularly nice or and seeing who they are and the essence of who they are and it just as you said, their behavior at the time is not demonstrating that, to really mm-hmm. acknowledge I I see you and I acknowledge your suffering. I see you and I mm-hmm. acknowledge your pain. Not out loud. Right, quietly and to oneself. And again, if everything radiates from the inside out, not only are they getting that prayer and blessing, but Mm -hmm. but we are individually as well. Um, Mm -hmm. The power, the power of our words and the power of our prayers towards others is so important. We we don't realize how important that is. I don't think. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of pain around us today and I just want to say to the listeners you know life life is so juicy and that mm. for us to believe that it has to be happy all the time it's like getting into a hot tub on a cold winter night you want mm. so much to feel that feeling when you first get in it's just hot it just oh it just feels so good but after about 15-20 minutes it kind of loses its pleasure and you have to kind of get yeah. out again and get cold in order for you to appreciate the warmth. And and I think that we we have bought ourselves a bill of goods that says that, you know, to have a good life, it means certain things have to happen and and then we'll be happy. Instead of, mm-hmm. instead of recognizing that, you know, no, happiness does not depend on things being good or bad. Happiness depends on being present and allowing the experience and feeling whatever you're going to feel in that experience um, without having to put meaning to it and, and just experience it. I, I really believe now that, you know, here I am almost 60. I really look back and I believe that every single thing that I, I experienced in my life 
brought me here to this point and both the good and the bad. And I just feel so lucky to have been able to learn the things I've learned and to embody them in such a way that, that as I stand here today and I look at the trees and I feel the breeze and I, I talk with the, you know, the people that I know and the people I don't know. And I just feel so at peace and peace is to me at ease is so much better than happiness. (laughs) Yeah, happiness comes and goes, you know, but you can be at peace and without being gloriously joyful, you know. Um, yeah. I love that yeah. sense of peace as I go through my day, and that's what I wish for people. Is that sense of peace and it's and, dropping, you know. yeah, it's dropping in mm-hmm. into self, into the breath, mm-hmm. into the heart, into the lower dante. And I read a beautiful quote that the only difference between flowers and weeds is judgment. You know, we judge. Huh. That's right. the only difference mm-hmm. between the two. And I, I think about how in many ways we're little judgment machines running around yeah. judging. And mm-hmm. instead everything is unfolding in its perfection. So, yeah. wow. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations on your move. Congratulations on what's developing and evolving through you. I'm really excited to to keep um, to keep being aware of of where you're going and and how it's all settling down. It's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Portland's a beautiful town. Um, yeah, it is. It I'm has, really loving it. <laughs> it has a lot to offer. Mm-hmm. So, wow. And mm-hmm. would you like to leave? Would you like to leave our listeners with any other comment or thought as mm-hmm. as we begin? To... Um, I don't know. I guess. Um, you know, we talk about unconditional love, and I think what unconditional love is is a mm. lack of judgment. It's no judgment. If you can, you know, like you said, the weeds and the flowers, it's all about perception. And so mm-hmm. we perceive something as bad, we're judging it that way. We perceive it as good, we're judging it that way. If we can go through life without having to judge something and just allow it, I think that mm-hmm. I think the world will change. I really do mm. believe the, ch- the world will change. So wow, that's, why I that's beautiful. People that yeah. try to do every day. <laughs> when you change that's the it. way you look at things, the things you look at change. Beautifully, right? Who said that? <laughs> I that's did. It. Didn't you recognize my voice? I think it was Lynn yeah. Dyer who, who said that yeah. many years ago. But it's it's really it's really amazing. Well, thank you, thank you so much, Ali, for taking the time thank to you. share and to show yourself. Um, I know that. It'll be very inspirational to listeners who listen in on, on this show. And thank you so much for listeners for coming in today, either being on the archive show or if you're listening now. It's hard to believe, once again, and I say this every month because the months seem to be going by so fast, that next next Tuesday is the 20th already. I just am kind of blown away with how fast time is how fast time is going and I don't think it's necessarily because I'm getting older I think it's just where we're where we're headed and next week I have the opportunity to interview Melinda Kapoor she is an eclectic explorer of life she's an intercultural consultant and writer she enjoys encouraging and inspiring others as they embark upon their own travels helping them to understand the obscure feelings that rise up for a particular place that cannot be explained or rationalized. 
So please join us next week if you're able. Otherwise, check out our archive shows on www.blogtalkradio forward slash authentic messengers. And I've been informed that we are also um, starting a new LifeSpark series. So if anyone is interested in becoming an author, you can go to AuthenticMessengers.com for more information. And also on the site, you can look for different book reviews and book signings that are happening for the authors who have in their hands uh, LifeSparks books. So please look um, on Authentic Messengers for a book signing in your area and make it a wonderful day. Be kind to each other, be loving to each other, and especially be kind to yourself. Take good care. Thank you, Allie. Thank you, Catherine. Be well. You too. Thank you.